0: Roseanne premiered on October 18th, 1988 through ABC. Let's put 22 minutes on the clock. Pilot study with Chris and Grimes. They're talking all of your favorite shows, but only the pilot episode that beats the first show in case you didn't know. 27 no show that- And that's the premise behind Pilot Study. Hello, and welcome to Pilot Study. My name is Chris Lanty, and I'm your host. And I'm joined, as always, he's barking at his teacher right now. It's John Grimes.
1: Yeah, yeah. what's up? Oh, nothing good too
0: much. Yeah, good morning. I feel like we just talked for 80 minutes about another show, <laughs> and we're we're doing a little bit of a marathon session here. So, if people are listening to this right after 11:22:63 then they are getting a full uncut conversation,
1: basically. The raw uncut.
0: But we only have 22 minutes, so this isn't like the 80-minute meandering conversation (laughs) we could have about Franco's top five roles. We have to dive right into the show, and I want to dive right into your history because you told me right before we clicked record that this was appointment viewing, and it obviously was not so for me. So hit me with a little bit of your history here.
1: Well, Roseanne was to my mother what Maren is to me. She loved Roseanne's comedy, followed it from the start as much as, um, you know, somebody who's rural and poor can follow anything going on in L.A. in the 80s. But my mom loved the Roseanne, loved the show, and I remember us, you know, as a family, first just her and I, and then with the StepFam and all that, like, we watched this show you know, from the original run to syndicated reruns. Uh, now it's on Netflix. Like this is part of my. This was the first time I was represented in the media. Like mm-hmm. my myself, uh, my family, people like me. Um, so I liked it, and yeah, I, I remember it was on Thursdays and Tuesdays, I think, for a while. But anyway, uh, yeah, we would uh, definitely not miss Roseanne.
0: Um I should mention that this is part of our wrong side of the tracks month and um as we kind of go through these theme months we drop little previews of the coming episode uh, mostly through like network promos that they would play beforehand. Yeah. And the one for this a uh, very much hit on the fact that you just talked about which was that they were attempting to present a different side of family life, one that was a little dirtier, one that was a little poorer, right? Yeah. These people had legitimate money issues. And I mean, in the very first episode, you're seeing John Goodman, who is looking fucking great in this, by the way.
1: <laughs> Roseanne, too, you know. Looks were... like
0: an all-American linebacker in this he show. He looks great. And th- now you see him in that new movie that he's got coming out, 10 Cloverfield Lane, you're like, holy fuck. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's been, you know, 30 years, so.
0: You've got them. Uh, this is an important point to me. They plunged their sink. <laughs> it's pretty and, real. I have plunged in my sink before. First off, it works great. Like I had a I had a sink issue, um, in my old apartment. I, I just I tore I tore the whole sink apart, like the plumbing down below. Tried to find where it was, um, where it was clogged, and I just could not find it. And then I saw that on the internet somebody was plunging their sink. I said, oh yeah, it's like a latch, dis, latch ditch effort. Worked the first time it'll get you through a jam plunging your sink works but it's also a thing that you would do if you can't afford a plumber like i couldn't or just didn't want to call your landlord so i thought that was a really cool and key detail that they included to again establish the the family dynamic and to establish where exactly they were economically because it's always hard to tell with these shows because they never talk about money especially these older ones
1: Yeah, I mean this show talked about everything. Think
0: about like even just a little a little farther down the road, like a friends, they never talked about how they made money. And I think that's the obviously a big thing with Roseanne.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you you never saw fat people on television or overweight, I should say, whatever. (laughs) You know, they talk about poverty, sexism, racism. Homophobia, like this, this show just really changed television, and so did Roseanne's comedy, which is, you know, the, obviously the source material for this this series.
0: Yeah, so her stand up, um, we have shared a link back and forth from the Johnny Carson show, and it's her first ever stand up, and of course her persona at that time was this domestic goddess, and her delivery is much of the same. But the but again the ideas really hit close to home with I think people like your mom right people that were dealing yeah, yeah. with kind of the same issues or that had um, the same type of rapport because the rapport in the show is it, it's not like a and I think this this is a great thing about the show and I guess not a show I watched every week but I can certainly recognize these merits just the first scene of them in the kitchen. Let's just break that down because I think it says everything about the show that you need to say. Yeah, They could have cut out of that scene about two minutes earlier and to kind of establish the background, Roseanne, her husband is Dan. They have three children and really it's just Roseanne going to work in this episode, having to leave early to go to a parent-teacher conference and Dan bidding on a job. That's everything that happens in the pilot. Mm -hmm. But most of it is centered around this kitchen table and is centered around these conversations they have. They spend... A ton of time with the lead couple in the morning they're drinking their coffee the kids have already gone to school but they stay with them why do you think they stay with them and what do you think is accomplished in that first scene
1: i think they stay with them to show the chaos of getting your kids ready and out the door which is like the storm right and then you have the calm before and after so we we're doing our best the kids are maniacs you know you get the good character intros like we do in in every pilot Um, You meet each kid and get their personality within a couple sentences. And then it shows them just sitting in their dumpy kitchen, drinking (laughs) their cold coffee or their warm beer and and bitching about toast crumbs and joking with each other and really showing that when you're in this situation, like, all you have is each other. All you have is that love between Dan and Roseanne you know, that started the family, been together since high school, that's it. You don't have money, you don't have an awesome, fun job, you're not proud of your status in society, you're just two people really doing their best with not very much, and I think that's why they do that. They do that in a lot of episodes, they, they fight like crazy, they make fun of each other, they're sarcastic, they're almost mean to each other, but then, you know, something happens where it's just okay now we see why these two would not only be together but stay together and you know do it
0: yeah i think it's they almost played it like we weren't supposed to be watching right this scene like we were kind of like um we were kind of i'm trying to think of the word but we weren't supposed to be there. In other words, like
1: a fly on the wall.
0: Yeah, we're. It was more of a fly on the wall type of situation. And again, you brought up the breadcrumb thing, and what that is is, or sorry, the toast crumbs, and what that is is that there's toast crumbs in the butter, and they have basically a two-minute riff on why they can't or who dislikes it, why it's an issue. Yeah, these are like real-world nitpicks that we've we've had fights with our spouse about, like just Definitely. little tiny things that bug us like leaving crumbs in the butter or like um courtney for example has this thing where she'll do the dishes but she she tries to avoid silverware because she doesn't (laughs) like it she doesn't like it (laughs) yeah i
1: do a lot of half chores like i will load the the dryer and the washer but then i assume it's done like it just puts itself away
0: and i know i have like the same things like i do stupid we all do that like or like i'll leave my clothes around or something and then i'll go do an entire thing of dishes but i can't pick up a pair of pants right. so the the toast crumb thing was really really cool to me that they again focus so much time on just sitting around and talking and kind of giving us that fly on the wall perspective and focusing on these minute details that other shows would pass over with one joke it would be a two minute um, shorter cut of that kitchen yeah. scene and they'd be gone like once it would the, be once the kids left the scene would be over
1: right it would be phil dunphy making fun of how stupid he is <laughs> and then claire looking at the camera like see i'm this beautiful woman look at my dumbass husband and then the scene's over you know
0: is it bad that i had to think about who what phil dunphy was from i don't watch Modern Family. Oh much.
1: yeah. Well that's I I watched this pilot um comparing it to now and I use Modern Family as my base of comparison. Gotcha. Uh so that's yeah, I i think you're right. It would be much different now and, and worse in my opinion.
0: You're you're kind of like my stand-up proxy. You know stand-up, you know the history of stand-up. What was Roseanne's place in this world? Did she have a place? Was it just the Carson thing? Was she an unknown? Like, what was her place in th- in the stand up world at this time?
1: Well, unfortunately, she hasn't done a WTF yet. But mm. um, her, she back totally then, should. Yes, that would be. I mean, has has yeah. Tom, has
0: Tom Arnold done one? I don't
1: know if he has. I skipped it. Mm. But um, her place and back then, I'm gonna say er, mid early to mid '80s when you got on Carson. That's kind of when you were on the radar. Now she was out there in the '80s. At the comedy store, there's a lot of other comedians that have talked about, like, knowing her, hooked up with her, thought she was brilliant, blah, blah, blah. But once you're on Carson in the 80s, like, Seinfeld would say this, too, and Drew Carey, almost overnight, like, your phone's ringing to get a sitcom if they like you, if he thinks you're worthy or whatever. So, being her being on, on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson kind of catapulted her to where the networks would find her viable and then whereas now like louis was the probably the biggest stand-up and has been now for the past five or six years and that's why he got a show whereas roseanne got the show and then became like that escalated i think her fame more so than it would now if that makes sense um, uh.
0: when we talked about Fresh Prince, and the, I think Fresh Prince is the only other one we've done so far that had the, like, the live studio audience in quotes. I'm not really sure if this mm-hmm. was like fully live or if there was some laugh track mixed in. It's kind of hard to tell with a lot of the, a lot of these, especially pilots, right? Because like people don't know what to expect when they come in. I think there's some like laugh track correction on on some of these on some of these parts. It didn't, it didn't feel as stagey to me as Fresh Prince did in that first episode, which we had talked about at that time. Like There was certain camera movements and certain camera angles that took us more so into places like the factory and kind of just helped overcome a little of that staginess feel. It, it was still there. It still felt like a play in ways, but just the way they were able to work the camera and kind of follow the action a little more it, yeah. hel- it helped overcome that. It didn't feel so um, dated to me as a lot of these uh, laugh track shows or live audience shows do at times.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned um, further down in your notes that it's more like a, a theater play as opposed mm-hmm. to a stage, like a screenplay. And that, you know, Roseanne in this in the, throughout the series cast some really skilled and highly trained theater actors you know there are real actors on this show you have the mom estelle parsons you have martin mall who's her boss in later episodes you have like john goodman who's a real actor i mean the guy does coen brothers movies and started them you can see in later seasons he has the big lebowski haircut because he just got done filming it you know what i mean like there are real now there's some shitty people too but she really leaned on you know um the sister Lori Metcalf is a Great actress,
0: yeah. Who recently, um, uh, who recently had a standout role on that Horace and Peach show that Louis C.K. is doing, right? Got so got, but, a, got a lot of pub out of that.
1: So between the real actors and actresses and the stand-up comedians that she cast, um, I think they did a great job of keeping it less campy and corny than the average sitcom. That, along with being grounded in much more reality than I think any TV show maybe ever.
0: I wanted to kind of look and see what um Goodman had done before and he he had already been in Cohen Brothers movies before he started roseanne he was in raising arizona is um, he which, in barton Fink maybe uh he is not in Barton Fink as far as i can tell i i'd have to check. i'd have to remember yeah, what still, what year that came out in but um yeah. he was also in uh he was in a streetcar named a streetcar named desire so he's in like these kind of high stage oh no actually that was after when did roseanne start 1988 88, yeah yeah so really the big thing right before that was raising arizona and then he had a whole bunch of stuff obviously in between that and he done did, did a ton of snls during this time he's like he's the man he's 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 hosted more snls than anybody else right like 14 or something yeah he's
1: definitely up there if not number one he's yeah he i mean the top three. he
0: brings the the real actor stuff to the show like roseanne <laughs> is fine but you can tell in every scene that roseanne's in her first line delivery is always horrible yes and she'll slowly work her way like into the the feel of like a more of like a real life dialogue but like the first first line of any scene she's in is like oh god it's fucking cringeworthy <laughs> yeah some of these things
1: you can see as the series goes on, most other than Goodman, who pretty much brings it from the beginning, and like Aunt Jackie there, mm-hmm. the acting like of Darlene uh, Sarah Gilbert, she gets much better. Obviously, they're little kids too, so it's natural. Right. Uh, DJ, the son, was replaced after the pilot. Yes, he was because um, because
0: Sarah Gilbert and him did not get along.
1: And Becky, who I actually, she, the original Becky does like 150 episodes, I think, probably like the first few seasons. And then she gets replaced by Sarah Chalk from Scrubs. Oh, um, interesting. And actually, Sarah Chalk does a way better job. But unfortunately, you know, they went back and forth towards the end. It got very weird there. But uh, I think the only one whose acting doesn't get that much better. Uh, is DJ the kid? I mean, he just kind of stays a a doofy kid, and they try to give him lines when the kids grow up. But <laughs> but they all really progress, especially Roseanne. And this is really the only acting acting that Roseanne has done. Is you know she did one really bad movie called She Devil, which is a cringe basically the entire time. But Meryl Streep's <laughs> Meryl Streep's in it. Meryl
0: Streep won an Oscar for it somehow. But
1: but, but yeah, the acting with Roseanne, um, and like most comedians. They got to kind of learn, and they're learning from scratch.
0: You know? Yeah, e- EW has this really cool oral history of the show, and Matt Williams, who was a writer, um, says, The linchpin, and I'm convinced the key to the series, was John Goodman. We brought him in the room. He looked at Roseanne and said, Scoot over. She said, Shut up. He plopped down. And I guess that was it, basically, for that casting. Like, that that vibe or that, um, that partnership was pretty solid from the moment they met. And he also said that young son DJ proved the toughest to cast. Producers considered future Home Alone star Macaulay Culkin, but instead went with Fishman. I can't remember the kid's first name, but he didn't. It's
1: Danny Daniel
0: Daniel Fishman. He didn't last very long because apparently there was issues with him and Sarah Gilbert at some point.
1: Oh, Michael Fishman. sorry. Michael
0: Fishman, and these kids probably were just bickering and being mean to each other, and so they replaced him after I don't know how many episodes he did, but not many. And so, and of course, those were the days where you could just replace somebody in the cast and like <laughs> there was no social media and you were just like, here's the new kid. Yep. It's like, here's the oh, new guy." all right, I guess we're just going to go with this. <laughs> it's a little yeah, ridiculous. Weird. Clooney's in this.
1: George Clooney. Yes. Yeah. Playing the boss of the factory, uh, how, Booker.
0: How much is he in this?
1: He's in a lot, man. I'm going to say the first two, three seasons he comes back, he's recurring. Wow, he's Jackie's boyfriend for a while. Um, really? He's yeah. He's he's part of the series for sure. This he, was like a big does, thing for Clooney.
0: He does eleven episodes from eighty nine to or from eighty eight to ninety one.
1: Yeah, so he's like across two or three seasons there. Huh. Um, there's he's in a lot, and this was he was on Facts of Life, and then Roseanne, and then not that long later, ER. So I mean, this was like a big vehicle for Clooney. Obviously, yeah. the heartthrob. Rockin' the mullet.
0: And he, of course, did 109 episodes of ER, so he was on there for quite a while. But this was 11. He did Facts of Life, like you said. He did a show called uh, Sisters, maybe? Sisters. Yeah, he did 19 episodes of that. So he was a TV guy. He also was did like a-, a
1: journeyman TV guy at first.
0: Yeah, he also did a show called Bodies of Evidence, which I'm sure was a great cop show for 16 sure. e- for 16 episodes. So, yeah, he was in a bunch of shows. Uh, Facts of Life, he did 17 Oh, and he also did... um, I'm just looking at his IMDb here. He did something called E slash R.
1: (laughs) Yeah, nobody ever believes me, but there was an ER television show before ER, and even my mom used to argue, nah, you're wrong, but I'm telling you, there was a show called ER, and it was a pile of shit.
0: Yeah, it's called And they did a reboot. E slash R, yeah. It's called E slash R, at least on IMDb it is. Uh, In the graphic, it's E, a Band-Aid, and R. And... It had Elliot Gould in it, and this is the, this is the synopsis. Dr. Schenfeld, freshly divorced, becomes a physician on call at the emergency room at a Chicago hospital. So it was basically the ER before ER, and Clooney was in that as well, which is ridiculous in every way, and I did not know that.
1: Right, and again, going back to like the social media thing, people didn't used to care. They, it was so easy to just wash over stuff back in the day. mm mm-hmm. um, But yeah, you know, we only have like three or four minutes left.
0: Okay, so let's just go over some random notes. Go ahead. I
1: I don't know. This show gives me the feels, man. It just makes (laughs) me miss my mom. Um, You have like the Dan character stuck in the 50s, stereotype TV dad, and Roseanne is kind of like bringing women into the 90s. A a a really
0: good role model.
1: A very good role model. I think for regular people, again, like my mom, who just are not represented in the media at all, like, you know, people doing their best with not no money, no college, no idea of even what, what the next month's bills and money are going to be like. That's a hell of a way to live. And I mean, people live that way still to this day. This is like, ironically, as reality television has taken over, nothing is real. No reality is represented on television. I think... Like this before or since. Like some things get close. A modern family, yeah, we're all helicopter parent millennial douches now. But like this shit made people feel better. You know what I'm saying? This was like, you know, I'm well, not just the made worst them, person it just on earth. It just
0: made them feel not alone, I guess.
1: Right, right. And that's the best thing I think any media – you know, that's why I like Marin's comedy. That's why I never fast forward that first 15 minutes of WTF because he's, say, he's you're, talking you're a brave to soldier. Me. he's talking to me during it though. You know what I mean? I almost Mm -hmm. don't care about the interview as much as I care about the psychological like bullshit that goes on in my head. So I'm glad that my mom at least had something like this. Mm -hmm. I'm also glad that I went to college with millennials because I don't, I kind of take people being like this for granted. Like most people I know aren't racist, aren't sexist, aren't homophobic. Most people my age are from my town. Like, Donald Trump would win Greenville easily (laughs) like everyone there. Well, not everyone, but you know what I'm saying? Like to generalize, it's like a very racist, blue collar, lower class area. But Roseanne gave those people an option of not being ignorant. You know what I'm saying? Like you just because you're poor doesn't mean you have to be stupid. It doesn't mean you have to be like a self-hater. Like if you're fat, you can still enjoy sex and your loved one and your partners like it just it's. It was just real. I, I I know I keep repeating myself, but um, like I'm glad I had this perspective and I'm glad that I went to school with younger people that kind of think this way by default rather than having to be taught it by television or something, you know?
0: So a couple quick notes, and then we'll get on to kind of our normal stuff. So the teacher really represents the new ag, um, the new ag versus the old school style of parenting, which I think was a good one. The whole barking in class. So the episode <laughs> yeah. rests on the fact that Roseanne has to go to a parent teacher conference because Darlene, I think, yeah, yep, is bark- barking in class. I want to know if kids were doing that. I want to know why that was the central <laughs> storyline. I think she was just doing it to fuck with the teacher, which I is kind so, of too. like an extra layer of cool evil that i dig um our our whole family barks is a good line that roseanne says Mm -hmm. um this is why animal some animals eat their young is another really good line and they use that for the promos um i like that they have a credit scene it's always nice to see those like kind of like an after credit thing that community really um really capitalized on later on in tv history i would also say really quick let's do let's do the title sequence really quick so let's do some let's do some title talk Let's do do, well. I want 30 seconds from you on what the title sequence was. Did the and also did the music change eventually?
1: Yes. Um, okay. So the title sequence is a round table shot of the family eating takeout food, passing it around, joking. You get character intros, you have a blues rock song that later gets rebooted with lyrics by Blues Traveler. Uh, who apparently was Roseanne's favorite band at this time because they do cameo on the show where Dan went to high school with John Popper and (laughs) he chose a life with Roseanne in Lanford, Illinois, other than going on tour and giving up this rock stardom. So he has this midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. Uh, so a blues traveler gets a big pop in like later years. Um, but I like the title sequence. You get an idea of what the house looks like, how they would spend what I'm guessing is like a typical Friday night or just an unwinding time for the family. Uh, the song, yeah, it's, it's a little bit shitty, but it like, you know, it fits. It's like a down and dirty, like you would hear it in a bar, like at the bar they hang out. at. So I think the intro, you know, it's a little dated, but it's not too bad. I All think right. it gives you an idea of what you're getting.
0: Let's get into some love and television. That's our next that's our next little constant feature here. Courtney would not she would not care for this. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't I mean I just know she wouldn't be into this. It's I mean especially since it is so dated. Like this isn't one that I could sit down and watch and I'll just answer the other question. Will we theoretically continue to watch it? I wouldn't. I don't really have too much of an interest in these um, types of shows, this type of structure or I mean, Roseanne just doesn't appeal to me, and I don't huh. have I don't have the history with her yeah. as you do. I mean, I would catch it when it was, like, just on, but I don't know. I guess my, my, my parents more watched Seinfeld, and um, everybody loves Raymond later on. Like, those are the shows that I remember my dad watching growing up. He wasn't really a big Roseanne guy.
1: I think if I could sit down and pick out the 10 best Roseanne episodes, you might enjoy it, but as a series, even myself, like, I don't go back and revisit it often like it's there's 50 of them on netflix that we'll put on for background noise mm-hmm. uh, i don't sit and break down the episodes like this
0: So all the seasons aren't on Netflix, right? They're just like collections.
1: It's like a collection, and I think maybe they'll do another collection at some point. I, Marissa, will watch it. I don't think she likes it. I think you know. Unfortunately, my wife never got to meet my mom, and honestly, like this is as close as she's gonna get. Like, (laughs) so maybe she watches it for that reason. But we are not gonna sit down and watch through um, blocks of episodes very often. I like. I caught a lot in syndication. I think during college, Marissa probably watched some during the day, you know, between classes and whatnot reruns. But yeah, it doesn't hold up time frame wise. If you weren't, if I was young in 1998 instead of 1988, I probably wouldn't think so highly of it. But just what Roseanne meant to my, I guess my family, like we didn't bond over much shit. And this was one of those touchstones where like, wow, we're pieces of shit. But like now we're on TV. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? It just right. gave people like an idea that like you said, you're not alone. When you have nothing, you lean on like loved ones. You lean on staying home, eating shitty ten dollar takeout meals and bitching at each other and getting in fights. And then you you know, the fight breaks down, you realize, Oh yeah, we, we like each other, it's fine.
0: So to finish oh. to finish this up there was obviously a a ton of behind the scenes drama that we didn't get to involving yeah. Tom Arnold being brought in and all that <laughs> sh- all that shit that would take us probably another 20 minutes but I just wanted to finish with a little qu- another quote from that oral history that I thought was really funny. I got a chocolate number 1 cake when we went to number 1 in the December 1988 ratings. So this was pretty soon it premiered in what? October 18th, so it went to number 1 2 months later on TV. A big piece of chocolate, like a fat girl, would be really happy with it. And this is Roseanne speaking. I'm like, are you shitting me? George Clooney, who played factory foreman in Jackie's season one love interest, Booker, took a baseball bat to it. I threw it up in the air, and George swung at it with a bat. He says, <laughs> he goes, take a picture of this. Fuck those assholes. <laughs> we took a picture and sent it to ABC. Clooney was unavailable to comment for the think I think that's the best way to sum it up and just what else is in that oral history, which I highly recommend. So, of course, I want to thank Grimes for joining me. Uh, let's do some plugs.
1: All right. Follow me on Twitter, at underscore Grimes John, or at Pilot Study Pod.
0: I am at Chris Lantinen C-H-R-E-S-L-A-N-T-I-N-E-N. And, of course, follow all of the Modern Vinyl podcasts over at Modern-Vinyl.com. Thank you, Grimes, for joining me.
1: Thank you, and thank you all for listening.
0: Thanks to, thanks to everybody for listening. R- give us some ratings and some some reviews on iTunes. We don't have one yet. Be the first, be the first person to get to leave us a review, and I will be forever grateful, even if it's a one star. So thanks for listening. And that's the premise behind Next time on Pilot Study.
1: That's fine, but yeah, there's nothing to do with it. And guess what? Today's my last day. Good. Good. I'm fucking done. Good. No more coke. Good. No do more fucking think I killing animals. You? Do you think I I think you do need me because you don't even kill cats and dogs anymore. I fucking shot the last ten dogs and the last three cats. You haven't fucking fired a gun. That's fucking bullshit, and you're getting soft. That's what I think.